Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. Um, we got some great things going on. We got to, this past week was a great week. Back on the back row, there's this gal. Uh, Pam, would you stand for a moment? Just She's got a hat on, and so she kind of hides a little bit sometimes. But last Tuesday, last Tuesday, uh, her and Judy met, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. Can I hear an amen? So be praying for Pam Pringle, right? Amen. All right. So be praying much for her. Lord bless you. You can be seated. We're just excited for her, and hopefully we'll get her in the waters. Amen. Boom. Baptize her. We're, we're coming up on that, by the way. Uh, going to get some people baptized here shortly. So uh, anyway, open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. I debated on making this message a twofold because it's quite lengthy, but uh, I, I just really feel that you're up to the challenge <laughs> to endure uh, the lengthy message. Can I hear an amen? amen? I think you're just ready for that. All right, so uh, this is our third message in our series, and I'm just thrilled as I go through this because this is intense. There's a war going on in the book of Acts. And the great thing about this war is that the believers end up on top. Amen? The believers actually win this battle. And because of this church first in Jerusalem, real life, this is a new church because of this church winning the battle. Now, our country is in a major battle. Can I hear an amen about that? Our country is in a major battle. And I... Sometimes I get a little frustrated. Anybody here get a little frustrated sometimes? You just wonder, Lord, what are you doing? But you know what? God is sovereign. He's sovereign. And he's in control. And one of these days they might do to us what they did to the book of Acts. Believers drag us out and want to crucify us or something for preaching the word. But we're just going to keep on preaching. Amen. We're not going to give up. All right. So let's begin in verse 1 of chapter 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, notice that, the believers rapidly multiplied. Now, so notice it doesn't say they were added to the church. It says they were rapidly multiplying. Okay, so so why is the church growing so much here? What's going on? Well, it's because back in chapter 1, the first message we preached back in chapter 1, what did they receive? They received their mission, all right? Go ye therefore, it doesn't say, it says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, you shall be my witnesses, and you shall tell everybody about me, all right? And I understand that it's it's the NLT, but that's what it says. Jesus says, I want you to be my witnesses, telling everybody about me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So they've been busy, all right? They took, listen, they took this mission serious. Remember what we talked about? You just go around. They just went around, just talked about Jesus and that his death and burial and resurrection was for them. Very simple. You didn't have to go to Bible college. Matter of fact, if you remember, we read about them. They didn't have special training, yet the power of God rested on them. All right. So, so they're literally turning the world upside down for Christ, just simply talking about Jesus. And that he died for people, he 
was buried and he rose again. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work on them and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, so things are really happening here. We learned last week, however, chapter 4, Satan didn't like that. There's this battle. Satan doesn't like that. And so he, chapter 4, he rears his ugly head in the form of what? Church. All right. In the form of a religion. And he's trying to stamp out this new, brand new church in Jerusalem. Okay? So they pulled Peter in. They pulled John in. And they overnight was in prison and told them, never speak his name. And then they prayed. And the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and continued their mission for Christ. Okay? And the whole point is we have a mission. And Satan wants to stop us. And he does stop us, doesn't he? Sometimes. Now, he's not going to stop the overall mission. But sometimes he wins the battles with individual. And so we're going to talk this morning how to win the battle. Okay? How, how, to, how can we actually fulfill the mission? And how can we defeat Satan? And so we're going to talk real briefly about being filled with the Spirit. How to be filled with the Spirit. But that's a, that's a long way from now. So let's keep on reading. Okay, so, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there was a uh, rumble, rumbles of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers uh, complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being uh, discriminated against in the daily administration of food. And so there was, a, there was a stirring in the church, and no doubt that was of Satan. Verse 2, So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, Hey, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God and not running a food program. Okay? And so the brothers selected, now notice this, the brothers selected seven men who are well-respected, and notice this, full of what? The Spirit and wisdom. And we will give this responsibility to them, basically, verse 4. Then the apostles can spend time in prayer and the Word, teaching the Word. Now, notice verse 5. Everyone liked the idea, and they chose the following. The first man they chose, it says, Stephen, a man full of faith, and what? Of the Holy Ghost. And then it goes on and talks about Philip and five other guys. Verse 7. Look, notice the, what happens because they chose these guys. Okay? Men full of the Spirit. So God's message continued, continued to spread. And the number of believers greatly increased. Everybody following what's going on here? Okay, so because these guys were filled with the Holy Spirit... The word continually went out and more people were getting saved. It's it's incredible. Now look at the rest of it. Finish the verse. Greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. (laughs) So, you know, the church not only was reaching, you know, just the normal people like us, but the message was so powerful, it was reaching up into the the Jewish church, if we want to call it the Jewish religious system, and many priests, notice it says, many priests were converted. Now, how do you think this made the leaders of that church feel? <laughs> I guarantee you, they're irate. I mean, this is the same ones that, that you know, persecuted Jesus, killed Jesus, and, and now these, this church that they thought they stopped was on fire. And now, not just that, they're taking people out of their church and they're taking even the leaders of the church away to this Jesus movement. 
So notice what happens. Uh, verse 10. Of course, Stephen, uh, verse 8 and 9, Stephen gets into a debate with some, some other rude fellows. And it says, none of them, verse 10, none of them could stand against the wisdom and, there it is, the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen's saying. They, they convinced somebody to bring up some lies about Stephen. Man, I, I, just, this, is, this is amazing. This aroused the people. This, this, this called a stir. I mean, this lie caused the people to be chaotic. They, they were upset. And then they'll keep following. The elders and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. They brought him before the high council. And they set him there. They heard the accusers. And then they all looked at Stephen. They put their eyes on Stephen to hear his response with the accusation. Now, I'm, not going to, I'm just going to tell the rest of it before we get into the... Well, this is actually the message, but the first part of the message, okay? Before we get into the, the being filled part. So, Stephen being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you can, if you want to write it down, it begins where I'm going to read verse 51. If you just want to write it down. He begins to talk to the council. And he takes advantage of an opportunity. And he just speaks the truth. That's all it is. He's just speaking flat out what he knows. Okay? Listen to this. He said, you stubborn people. (laughs) Is that good? (laughs) I mean, here these are. Life and death is in this council's hands. And he says, man, you guys are just stupid. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. You must forever resist the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, but they're resistant. The message that God keeps giving them over and over, they're just fighting against the message. As your ancestors did, so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors did not persecute. I mean, he just he just given it to them. One prophet. They even killed the ones that predicted the coming of the Messiah. Uh, by the way, whom you betrayed and murdered. You follow? Nothing, nothing. They didn't get into any Hebrew. They didn't get into any Greek. He just simply told them the truth. Now, notice their response. Just listen. The Jewish leaders were infuriated at Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fist in rage. Can you, can you get the picture? Kind of look at it like, like, like some people in America shaking their fist in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, and this is our response, full of the Holy Spirit, didn't scream at them and yell at them, why are you killing me? I'm innocent. It did, didn't do anything like that. Listen to his response. Gaze steadfastly into heaven. He saw the glory of God. Jesus literally stand up in heaven. Remember, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He stands up and he literally is welcoming Stephen to heaven. Now, he t- listen, he's telling this as it's actually happening. And so, listen, the council began to close their ears and scream. Does that sound like a child? <laughs> you ever had a child like that? 
where, you know, they, they just don't want to hear the truth. And they're closing and they're screaming. They grab Stephen. They drag him out of the city and they begin stoning Stephen. Now, now we've gone over this story before. But the point is, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he was looking forward to heaven. He was not threatened by death. Matter of fact, he looked forward to it. And that blew away the Jews. So up to this time, listen. All they heard was the message. The first martyr. And they seen his response to them persecuting him. We get an example of how we should respond to the heathens. Ah, we can call them heathens, but they're killing us. That's okay. You know, I'm heaven bound. They're not. So Stephen all of a sudden is concerned about them. Why? How is that even possible? Because Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that. Okay, so that this incident shook the Jews. I mean, shook them to the core that they're killing somebody. And he says, it's okay. I'm going on with the be of the Lord. Death. Christians look forward to death. We don't sob and want to climb into the casket with our loved ones because we're never going to see them again. Well, we know where they're at. And we know we're going to be with them because we stand on the word. Can I hear an amen? We stand on the book. We know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord because the book tells us so by faith. Okay, so, so we, we run over to chapter, chapter 9. Paul the apostle, which is Saul. Saul here is uh, going out and getting letters and he's wanting to kill the Christians. He's wanting to keep on, put them in prison, keep on killing them. Because he's the one that actually was involved in Stephen's death, okay? And then all of a sudden, the Lord comes and knocks him off his horse. And you know the story. And, and the Lord says, why are you persecuting me? But the point is, if Paul doesn't say it here. Or, or, or Luke doesn't tell us in the book of Acts in the beginning. But later on in chapter 26, it tells us what Paul was doing. The Bible says that Paul was, was kicking and fighting against the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit was dealing with him that what Stephen was saying and what all those other Christians that we were put in prison was saying is actually true. That's what you and I can count on. That we just tell people, hey, I just love God and he's done so much for me. I mean, you can count on that falling on the heart and the Holy Spirit beginning to work. Paul couldn't get away with it. He couldn't get, I mean, he was constantly fighting against the Holy Spirit, telling him over and over and over, listen, you're fighting against the Lord and you're not going to win. <laughs> Acts chapter 26. The reason is because the first church was filled with the Holy Spirit. Satan couldn't stop the church. So I want you to go over to Ephesians chapter 6, or chapter 5, excuse me. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at one verse. Now, we could actually preach almost this whole chapter from verse 18 through actually verse um, or, or chapter 6 as well on the Holy Spirit. But I want to look at one verse, verse 18. And here's where we get into the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, why am I talking about that? Because over and over and over and over and over from the very beginning, I've told you that God has given us a mission. The only way we can fill that mission is the same way the church did, and that is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the enemy pops up to his head. How can we overcome the enemy? By being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Do not be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine, because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, 
why would the Bible compare drunkenness and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Why? Why? I mean, in church, of course, we're not. We want to tread lightly. I usually don't, but most people said you should tread, tread lightly in this area. But if I had a raise of hands, because we're all heathens, our background's pretty heathenistic. Can I raise your hand if you feel, yeah, my past is pretty heathenistic. And the rest of you are all liars. <laughs> right? I mean, we, we have a rough background and, 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 you know, that's, that's, there's a few leave it to beavers in here. My wife is one of them. All right. I think Corey, Corey, Corey's a leave it to beaver. <laughs> He's going. <laughs> oh, here's another leave it to beaver. All right. So. So the Bible compares this for a reason. Okay, so when you're drunk, and since most of you raise your hand, we've, we've sadly experienced that. Let me just say that. We've sadly experienced that. And what happens is, put this quote up. This, this is my quote on what the word filled means. All right? It's overcome by a power greater than your own. There's this influence upon you, okay, that's greater than your own. Okay? Listen to the, the definition of the word filled. It means to be, uh, to make replete, that is to fill or supply something to the full. To cram in a net to its full capacity. Alright? And, and so then I just put in my notes, uh, to be controlled by. When you have something, when you're completely full of something, it's gonna influence you. Okay? Let's take a police. Okay? Back in the olden days, I think they, uh, they do a breathalyzer now, I think. Brother, is that, do they, or do they get them out and walk a line? When you pull somebody over for drunk, what do you do? Both. Oh, both. Oh, good, good. That, the, perfect illustration. So when they find somebody that they think is drunk, they'll pull them over. They'll get them out of the car, and they'll make them walk a line. Now, the guy wants to walk a straight line. Because if he doesn't, what's going to happen? And he knows it. So he's trying to walk the line, but there's some influence on him that makes him just, Right? Can I hear an amen? I mean, that, there's an influence that's upon him that keeps him from walking the line. And that's the, that, that's the spirit. They used to call it booze spirit back, back in the day. There's an influence. You're under the influence. Okay, I've seen this firsthand with Fleener. You all know that I was, I was raised in a, in a home where Fleener was an alcoholic. And, uh, Guy, when he was sober, was a great guy. I mean, gentle, nice. He was an introvert. Never said much to me, but he, he still was a great guy. But when he, was, when he was under the influence, it was a different story. He was mean. He was nasty. He'd go to, he, I mean, of course, it happened almost every weekend. He'd go out and, the guy weighed 110 pounds. But he thought he was, when he was under the influence, when he was, overpowered by something greater than his own, he'd get in fights. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times they dropped him off in the front lawn, passed out, bleeding, all right? And, of course, us kids would be laughing, right? Because it couldn't happen to a better guy. So I thought we were just, yeah, you know, we can't whoop him, but we're glad somebody does, you know? So, I mean, but he would never do that. Never do that when he was sober. He wouldn't even hardly talk to anybody. 
But it was a different story. One time he fell asleep in his van. He was an air-conditioned heating guy. He fell asleep in his van. And, well, he's probably passed out in his van. So the cops came out and knocked on the window trying to get him out of this pl- place. And so he jumped up, went in the back of the van. Okay, this is a, a, a work van. He grabbed his 12-gauge shotgun and he started shooting inside the van. I mean, what in that case, right? He, he would have never done that if he was sober. Can I hear an amen? You just don't do that. You ever heard of anybody doing that? It's, it's, it's amazing he's not dead. It's amazing the cop just didn't shoot him, right? It's amazing. But I'm just saying, he changed when he was under the influence. He loved, he, he loved my Jamie, my little sister, and yet he chased us out of the house with a gun many times. I thought it was only twice, but my brother tells me there was many times we were running down the street. He was chasing us with a gun. What dad does that? Can I hear no one, right? No dad does that. I mean, unless they're possessed, right? And he would never do that to his lovely Jamie, his daughter, yet Jamie was right there with us. The point is, when a per- person is controlled by the substance, he is a completely different person. He's overcome by a power greater than his own. And no doubt you have stories and you know people who have done the same thing. So I want to do is I want to look at a couple of other scriptures that talk about Ray or talk about Phil. Let's go to Luke chapter 4, 28 through 30. Okay. I want to talk about filled with rage. Okay. And they all were in the synagogue. When they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. Now that word filled means they were controlled. Okay. Controlled. They rose up, they thrust Jesus out of the city and led him to the bow of the hill and they were basically intending to throw him over the hill and kill him. Of course, he made his way back where it wasn't his time to die. But they were so full of rage, it controlled them and they wanted to kill the Lord. Let's go to the next one. They were filled with rage. Let's go to the next one. Um, Acts chapter 13, 44. The following week, now, now, this is interesting. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear the pre, uh, uh, them preach the word of the Lord. Okay, so the entire city comes out to hear the preaching. Let's go to the next verse. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, saw the crowds, that's it, they just saw the crowds. They were jealous. Now, the, another translation says they were filled with jealousy. And they slandered part and argued against whatever he said. In other words, as he was preaching, they began to scream and question and argue so that he couldn't get the, the message across. He was, they were filled with jealousy just because they saw the crowd. Their crowd was bigger than our crowd. So we're filled with jealousy. You ever been filled with pain? You ever run around the house and hit your toe right on the gutter? I want, I want to just tell you about a funny thing that happened last week, okay? My dog is uh, Indiana, right? Okay, so it's a Labradoodle. Is that right, honey? Where's my honey at? She's gone, huh? I heard a golden doodle. Thank you, thank you. Okay, golden doodle. Now it's 45 to 50 pounds. I told my wife at Christmas, give me a lap dog. So she got me a lap dog. So my son, Jeremiah... He's in the front room and he's wrestling with 
with our dog, right? And he's holding it down, you know, and, it's, and they're fighting with it. It's still pups, so it's playing. And he's got it down. You know, just, I mean, it's just, he's just holding her down, having a good time. And so he decides to get up, let go of the dog at the same time. Well, the dog has legs that are this long. And so the dog goes, and my son, and I'm walking through the hallway. I mean, the dog hits him several times in his private area. <laughs> my son is full of pain. He's on the floor. The dog's up and gone by this time. He's on the floor. Oh! I mean, to the top of his lungs. Am I lying, Crockett? No, I'm not lying. And he's moaning. Now, I did ask him if I could tell this story. Don't think I didn't. He's moaning for like five minutes. And of course, after a while, I'm just rolling as well, but for another reason. All right. Pardon? Uh, yeah, amen. Filled with joy. Yeah, <laughs> laughter. Okay, so, so then the, the next one, filled with joy. You ever been so overtaken with joy, just full of joy? When I, when I first got married, okay? A, a matter of fact, even yesterday, I'm at, the, I'm, at, I'm at the wedding, and I'm doing a wedding for Josie and Adam, and we're going to really build them up next week when they come back from their honeymoon. But, and I'm over there watching her, and she's bawling her eyes out at this wedding. And of course, you know, I'm trying to keep my eyes off of her. And I look over and she's still crying. She looks at me and she winks. You know, I'm just filled with joy with my wife. I mean, she just just brings me great joy. And and even my children, most of the time, amen? (laughs) I mean, my three boys were a delight, okay? But after three boys, you want, you want what, what? You want the girl, all right? You want a girl. So, so, and I, I know I'm dragging this on, but I, I really need to, I mean, really get this bait. So, so Karen is my first daughter. Now, I don't know what happened to me, what, okay, but after the baby I'm born and, and I'm walking through the hospital hallway and I'm, I'm literally singing, you know, 76 trombones in the big parade. I mean, who does that? And I'm 76 trombones in the big parade, you know, and I'm dancing. I mean, who does that? My point was, I was filled with joy. I was excited. And so what happens is, I mean, you ain't going to find me dancing down the hallway anywhere because I can't dance. But I was filled with joy at that very moment. So I just, I really wanted to give you the definition of joy, our definition of being filled and give you some illustrations for that. As we look at Ephesians chapter 5, just give me a couple thoughts here before we jump into this, some other stuff. When he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that is a direct command. Understand, he's talking to the church, he's talking to us. It's a direct command. And, and, and the, in the English language, when he says, be ye filled, be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, he's saying, you be filled. If you know anything about grammar, the you is understood. You be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, guys, this is, this is vital. How many of us want victory over Satan? Every one of us. How many want us to be, be able to, 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 to fulfill the, the God-given mission that everyone, 
that, that God has given to all of us, every one of us. And this is how we do it. Understand that God has commanded us to be filled. All right. The, the next thought from this passage is that, and, and a little bit of uh, uh, um, theology, is the Bible says that you're indwelled with the Spirit once. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and, and you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. Okay, He indwells you. That happens one time. But the filling, listen very carefully, happens many a times. As we've already seen in the book of Acts, they're filled over here, over here they're filled again, and then the place is shaken, they begin to speak in tongues, and they preach the word of God with boldness. It happens over and over. Filling is when the Holy Spirit, which you already have all the Holy Spirit, but the filling is when the Holy Spirit has all of us. It's when the Holy Spirit is influencing us Beyond our power. Not that we're working against the Holy Spirit like the drunk, the the booze. But we're surrendering and we're walking with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has influenced us to a place that we can fulfill the God-given message. And we can defeat the enemy. He cannot stop us when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you several things. I want you to write these down. Okay, turn your notes over and write these down. How can I know that I'm being, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Good, we got plenty of time. Okay, so in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7, the Bible talks specifically about, let's just go to 7. In chapter 7, Paul is specifically talking about his nature. He can't get control of his nature. His nature is out of control. His, he's got the spirit and he's got the human nature and they're constantly battling each other. But the problem is the nature is always winning. He says, he says this, the things that I want to do, I can't, I don't. The things I don't want to do, I'm always doing. He's always messing up. And then he goes, it's the only hope I have is Jesus Christ. That's the last of chapter 7. Then he goes into chapter 8, and he talks about being filled with the Spirit. Now, he, goes, he, start, he starts off in verse 9. And he says, we're all, we all have the Spirit. If you trusted Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, he says, you are none of His. Just, just imagine I have a glass of milk up here, okay? And I pour chocolate syrup in, a bunch of chocolate syrup, and it fills the bottom down here. You still have the white milk top? You have the chocolate. It's there. Then you stir it. What happens? It permeates the entire... Say it changes everything. Ready? Here we go. It changes everything. That was sad. Ready? Here we go. It changes everything. Okay? When you mix it up, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. When He overcomes us and He has that great influence on us, because what happens? What happens is we can stifle, quench the Holy Spirit, and we can grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm going to jump through some of this stuff pretty fast because I want to get to the end on how to be filled. Okay? We, we quench the Holy Spirit when, when the Holy Spirit and grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin. When, when the Holy Spirit tells us to do something and we just fight against Him telling us. We grieve. The word grieve means to inflict pain, sorrow. We grieve and quench the Spirit of God and we take Him down to the bottom of the milk, so to speak. 
and not permeating and giving him access to every area of our lives. We, we, we dominate and push the spirit of God down. I don't want the Holy Spirit taking my life because you never know. He might take me to Africa. You ever heard that saying? And so you kind of want to be in control of everything. You don't really want to be influenced because you just don't know what he's going to ask you to do. Well, the first thing, we're going to give you six thoughts here. Okay, real quickly. And you find them in Romans chapter 9. You know that you're led of the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit, when number one, he is leading you. Verse 14. I'm not going to jump into that, but when he's leading you. Okay? When he's constantly directing you. If we go through the book of Acts, you go back to chapter uh, 7, you find a guy by the name of Philip. And he's in Samaria, and there's this great revival breakout. I mean, people are getting saved like crazy in Samaria. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, go to the desert. You want me to leave... You want me to leave the revival and go to this desert? So he goes to the desert. And there's this guy in this chariot, a a, a big wig in the chariot. And so the Holy Spirit says, join him. So he runs and joins the chariot. And here's the guy reading Isaiah. And he leads him to the Lord. Because he's just leading. The Bible says that, and the Spirit said to him, You know you're filled with the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is leading you. So the question is, is the Holy Spirit leading you? Do you even get to hear that still small voice in your heart? Secondly, you're confident. Verse 15, you're confident. He fills you with confidence. You're no longer fearful, but you're bold. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. No longer does fear, as, as they sang that song today, okay? Fear is a liar. Number three, intimacy, verse, the end of verse 15. Okay, intimacy. God wants us to call him Abba, Father. Now, guys, we stink at this. Okay, we stink at intimacy. Amen? We stink at it. Uh, you know, in church, the last thing I want to do is lift up my hands. Okay? And just worship the Lord. Nor do I want to get into my quiet time and just lift up my hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I just love you. I just adore you. I mean, we, we struggle with that. But God says when you're filled with the Holy Spirit... That comes out of you. You 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 are just controlled by another force and you just love God and you, you show this intimacy toward the Lord. Number four, not just intimacy, but security. Verse 16, he says that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of the living God. The word witness means the spirit convinces us that we are the children of the living God. Maybe if you're struggling with eternal security, maybe it's because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And last of all, we talk, it's, it's identity. He says that we are heirs of the kingdom of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I mean, think about that. Everything that is God's, everything we are, part of i mean 
just think about that. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. A joint? And that should, that should cause us to literally get excited and to literally shout. I mean, what would happen right now if somebody come and told you that you had a long-lost uncle that's going, you're going to inherit a billion dollars? How many of you would just sit there and say, oh, well, <laughs> none of us, right? None of us. All of us would be excited. All of heaven, not earth, all of heaven is ours. I'm constantly telling people that it's not what matters here. It's not what you have on earth that matters. It's what you're storing up because that lasts forever. Forever. This down here, man, it just, it just slips away. And it's gone. So we can, we can do stuff here with our money, with our time, our treasure, our talents, all that kind of stuff. We can invest it in the kingdom here and it's going to just store up in heaven. And it's going to be there. I'm telling my wife all the time, yeah, we didn't get to have, uh, you know, the, the, all the stuff. We, we literally invested in lives. Honey, honey, your bank account in heaven is huge. Why? Because she submitted to me as I said, let's go here, honey. Let's go here, honey. Let's go here, honey. And she didn't buckle. I mean, why in the world at 25 years old would she say, uproot her home and go all the way to Nebraska? I mean, Nebraska, the cowboys and Indians, right? Why would you go there? Because she was submissive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. She said this, where God leads you, he leads me. Isn't that good? And then let's, last of all, number six is fruit. He gives you fruit. Now, let, let's listen to this. Just asking a question, are you filled? You know you're filled when you have fruit. This is number six. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23 says this. The fruit of the spirit is love. Do you have love in your life? Good question. Do you have love in your life? I'm not, I'm not talking about your little baby, your wife. Do you have love in your life? Even the Bible commands us that we are love our what? Our enemies. Joy. Peace. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Look a little further. Do you have peace in your life? Maybe it's because you're not, you're not, you're not filled with the Spirit. Patience. Kind. Kindness goodness, faithfulness. Uh, how about patient? Are, are you patient? If you're not patient, maybe it's because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Gentle. Are you gentle? Are you faithful? Are you self-controlled? I mean, these are, these are questions that we need to completely ask ourselves and be totally honest with ourselves. Let's not be like the Pharisees where they shut their ears and I'm thinking of something else because I just don't want to hear you. Let's not be like, let's, let's, let's just be open. God, according to these six things that we just talked about, I don't think I'm filled. I just don't think that I'm filled with the Spirit. Therefore, that's why I struggle. That's why I struggle with the mission that you've given me. That's, that's why I struggle with Satan constantly pounding me and getting me to live the Christian life like this. This is why my Christian life is like this. Because I'm not filled with your spirit. 
I mean, yeah, the, the, I, I believe that you're sovereign and nothing's going to stop the church, but hey, Satan stopped me in my tracks. Stop me dead cold in my tracks. So what do we need? We need to be filled. We need the same thing the disciples did. This church is no different than real life. It's no different than any other church. I mean, we need to be filled. How? Now, I know we're running out of time, but let me just give you four thoughts. Okay, write these down so you can, you can take them with you. Five thoughts, actually. Number one, accept the fact that this is a command. Accept the fact that God has commanded you to be filled. Accept it. He didn't suggest it. He commanded you and me to be filled. Not a suggestion. Number two, confess every known sin because that's what quenches the Spirit. That literally is what stifles the Spirit, that inflicts pain to the Spirit. When we, when we have sin in our life, known sin in our life that we will not deal with, whatever it is. Maybe you had a past like mine and you're dragging all that baggage with you. That's sin. He doesn't want us to, to let those things. Maybe this morning you're mad at somebody. You've got you to confess that. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. That's all we've got to do is confess it. That's it. Isn't that fantastic? We don't have to do penance. We don't have to give the church a bunch of money. That'd be nice though, right? But that, you don't have to. You don't. You don't. He just says, I agree with you, God, that I have completely blown it. That's confession. Thirdly, yield. Paul says, I beg of you in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beg you, submit your bodies. Make it a living sacrifice. God, I surrender. I give myself to you. Just take it, Lord. Take me. Use me to your glory. And then as you're yielding, ask Because the Bible says this. How many of you fathers, when your children ask you something good, will you give them something evil? None of you. And then it goes on to say in in Luke, it goes on and says this. How much more will your heavenly father give you of the Holy Spirit who ask? I believe it's talking about the filling. That's Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13. I mean, we're not going to ask for the indwelling, are we? Because we're sealed unto the day of what? Redemption. He's in us. It has to be talking about the filling. And then last of all, believe it. You just went through it. You accepted it as a command. Okay? You confessed your sins. You yielded and you asked. Now the Bible tells us in 1 John... If we ask anything according to his will, 1 John 5, 13, or 5, 14. If we ask anything according to his will, now let me ask you this. Is it God's will that you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Of course, he commanded you to be filled. You know it's his will. So if you ask the Father to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you yield, and you confess, according to that verse, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the petitions. We know that He's going to give us exactly what we ask for. It's fantastic. So you can walk away this morning knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. 
And you can live the Christian life that God has called you to live. Yeah, you're going to stumble and you're going to quench the Holy Spirit, but then you go through it again because the filling is over and over and over. It's not a one-time thing. We need the Spirit of God to take control of our lives on a regular basis. And I promise you, that's when the Holy Spirit... I mean, you're sitting at a restaurant and you're, you're, you're eating and all of a sudden you hear these two women over here talking about the Bible and the Holy Spirit says, go talk to them. And you're doing something. No. He says, go talk to them. No. You ever done that? Yeah. And... and but the Holy Spirit just doesn't give up and He gives you that strength and all of a sudden you walk over there and you slam your Bible on the thing and you say, this is the Word of God and boom, one gets saved. God, that's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what happens. There's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. It's there. I mean, it's the book. It's not my interpretation. It's the Bible the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning in the name of your Son. Oh God, we are so thankful for your word. Lord, that we, we pray now for those that, that understand that they're not filled. Thank you for those here, Father, that, that are filled with your Spirit. But Father, I pray for those that well, were honest with you. And they feel that they're not filled. Father, I just pray for the next couple of moments that they would respond to your invitation. That they would respond to your command to be filled. And I pray, Father, they would go through these six things right now and they'd be filled. Because, Father, you promised you'd give them whatever they request when it's in your will. So, Father, I pray this morning that you do exactly that. Heads bowed, eyes closed. But let's just stand as we have our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Let's just stand up for a moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning. It's still early, so don't worry about that. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning just to respond to the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning. Why don't you just... Heads bowed, eyes closed. Why don't you just come forward this morning and cry out to God and say, God, I surrender. I confess. I'm asking that you fill me. Why don't you just step out this morning and come at this altar? And by doing so, you're simply saying, Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. Who wants to do that this morning? You're tired of Satan getting the victory in your family. You're tired of Satan getting the victory in your life. You don't have this love, joy, peace, but you want it. You want it. You're tired of Satan getting the victory. Why don't you just step forward this morning? Come down here and cry out to God. God, fill me. People are coming. How about you? Heads about, eyes are closed. How about you? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit this morning? Do you want to just talk about Jesus freely and have that influence in your life, that power that helps you to do that? If you do, come forward this morning. Father, we love you so much. And we pray this morning that you would just 
encourage us to be like the apostles. Paul literally stands up in front of the Corinthian church and tells the church to mimic him as he mimics Christ. Father, help us to mimic the disciples and the first church in Jerusalem. God, help us to be filled with your spirit. Father, invade us this morning. Invade our lives. Empower us to share you and your love and your goodness. Help us to share the abundant life that you've given us, the life and the abundant life that you want to give us. Help us to share that with those around us. And we'll be sure, Father, to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name.